0: you are listening to booze bullshit and true crime i'm Bree. i'm wait and we're gonna talk about some gnarly and spooky shit today
1: Get us started then
0: so, the topic is demonic possession. Um, I thought it would be something a little different, so I was down for it. I'm sorry if I'm a little slow. I am already so cross faded, and it's <laughs> just the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I'm going to limp we'll along here.
1: We'll get through it.
0: Okay. All right. So, little background and psych on demonic possession. Demonic possession is not recognized as a valid psychiatric or medical diagnosis. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th Edition, or DSM-5, indicates that personality states of dissociative identity disorder may be interpreted as possession in some cultures, and instances of spirit possession are often related to traumatic experiences, suggesting that possession experiences may be caused by mental distress. Some have expressed concern um, that belief in demonic possession can limit access to health care for the mentally ill. So basically, there's a lot of people that still believe in this and they seek help from the church instead of, like, a mental health professional. hmm Yeah, not good. I'll say personally that I've watched, like, a lot of possession YouTube videos in my day. <laughs> And there is a lot of shit that's like really crazy that's hard to understand if it's just mental illness or not, but I don't think somebody should completely ignore that kind of care. Something like that is going on. Um, Many various cultures and religions believe in demonic possession. The earliest example of demonic possession is from the Sumerians, whose belief system stated that any mental or physical affliction was directly derived from demons, something called Gidim. Um, they were also called sickness demons. Shamanic cultures also believe in demon possession, and shamans perform exorcisms. In these cultures, diseases are often attributed to the present of, or to the presence of, a vengeful spirit in the body of the patient. Exorcism rites usually consist of respectful offerings or sacrificial offerings. Christianity holds that possession <laughs> derives from the devil, or Satan. Um, Or one of his lesser demons. In Christianity, Satan and his demons are actually fallen angels. In modern medicine, it is now suspected that an underlying cause of what sometimes appears to be demonic possession is actually anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. Which I had never heard of. I know. (laughs) Um, I'm not a doctor. I didn't know what the fuck that meant. So I did, you know, I looked it up. And it is uh, pretty intense. The description it's a type of brain inflammation due to antibodies. So, early symptoms you'll have a fever, headache, feel super tired. Um, you can start to have delusions, seeing and hearing things that other people don't see or hear. So, hallucinating. And people are often agitated or confused. They have seizures, decreased breathing, and blush blood pressure and heart rate variability occur. So, it's just like an inflammation of your brain. And it can make you do some weird shit.
1: That's fucking nuts. I didn't know
0: that. I know, and it's usually because they have a tumor. So, it's like pressing on a part of the brain and inflaming it, and it's affecting, like, yeah every other system in your body at that point. Um... As far as symptoms go, there can be a really wide range. Um, The demon acts externally against the person whom it besets, and possession is internal as well, so people usually display signs of being, like, agitated, ill humor. Um, I see a lot of, like, people screaming obscenities and, like, cuss words and shit, or talking in other languages. Um, others claim to include access to hidden knowledge in foreign languages, like I said, drastic changes in vocal intonation and facial structure, so people like distorting their faces and like distorting their voices like crazy. Um, sudden appearance of injuries like scratches, bite marks, or lesions, superhuman strength, odd odors, lack of pain, self mutilation have been reported. And generally speaking, the demon, quote unquote, or, ooh, my my, will persist until it's forced to leave the victim through exorcism. Um, in like the science world, like the mental health world, a lot of people think that when this happens, it can be a form of something called monomania, which I had never heard of. Um, But if you think about it, like, mono means one, and mania means, like...
1: Multiple.
0: Or, no, mania means, like, crazy. Oh, okay. Out of control. Um, And it's, like, a form of that called demonomania, in which the person believes that he or she is possessed by one or more demons. And monomania is kind of like a, like, parent disease, it's categorized as a type of mania, such as pyromania, so somebody who likes to set fire; nymphomania, somebody who, you know, obsessed with sex; or kleptomania, somebody who li- likes to steal. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, kind of both sides of the fence on that one. Um, as far as my case goes, why are you laughing at me?
1: No, then I was reading up about a few cases, and I read about two guys that one was a psychiatrist and one was a priest and they were talking about uh emily rose and your girl yeah because i just saw your girl's name when it popped up
0: so emily rose was based on annalise McKill.
1: exactly
0: yeah yeah so you probably know quite a bit about her a lot of people have seen that movie which it's pretty fucking crazy. The Exorcism of Emily Rose, it's a good one.
1: Well, I'm kind of sad now because my case sucks since he did this one.
0: Why does it suck?
1: Because this one's just, it's got a movie.
0: <laughs> I just, I wanted to do something on this for a long time. This is one of the first, like, cases of demonic possession I ever really read about. And I always thought it was super crazy. And it's kind of recent, you know, compared to other cases. It was in the mid-70s. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Annalise McHale, she was born in Germany on September 24th, or no, September 21st, excuse me, in 1952. She grew up in a devoutly extreme Catholic family. The Michaels were deeply religious. Um, Three aunts of hers were nuns, and Joseph, which was the father himself, considered the priesthood. Before Annalise was born, the couple had been disgraced when Anna had given birth to an illegitimate daughter named Martha, so her mom had a baby before she was married, and she wore, like, a black veil on her wedding day, I guess, because she was, like, disgraced that that had happened. I think that's super public, but damn. Um... When their first daughter together was born, Anna encouraged Annalise to atone for her mother's sins through devotion to God. So basically, Annalise was the first child between her mom and her dad after they were married. So after she was born and started to grow up, her parents are basically like, you have to atone for your mother's sin of having a child out of wedlock for some reason.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, The push likely increased, you know, for Annalise to, like, repent for her mother's sins over and over again, and Martha actually died during surgery in 1956, so the daughter that was born out of wedlock passed away. For most of Annalise's life, uh, she was a highly devout Christian who believed it was her burden to pay for the sins of others. As a result, she prayed often and went to church twice a week at least. Over time, Annalise grew into a kind and obedient young woman who regularly showed her devotion. For instance, in penance for the sins of homeless drug addicts and other wayward souls, teenage Annalise regularly slept on the home's bare stone floor to pay penance for them, which I don't really understand. Um, But that was her form of, like, paying for their sins, I guess
1: okay
0: yeah her symptoms for what her family interpreted as possession began in 1968 Annalise was 16 at the time in high school the symptoms she had at first were convulsions and eventually she was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy by a neurologist so you know not probably necessarily possession there's probably a scientific reason behind what was happening Temporal lobe ep- epilepsy is a chronic disorder of the nervous system characterized by recurrent, unprovoked focal seizures that originate in the temporal lobe of the brain and last about one to two minutes. So it's just a certain area of her brain that was, you know, affected that that's why it was happening. She took medicine for her condition and continued her life to the best of her ability. She finished high school, she went to college, and she was studying to become a teacher. In June 1970, she suffered a third seizure, and she was staying at a psychiatric hospital. She was prescribed an anti-convulsion drug for the first time. It was called Dilantin, which did not alleviate the problem. She began describing seeing devil faces at various times of the day. That same month, she was prescribed another drug called Aolept. It's A-O-L-E-P-T. How would you say that?
1: A-L-O-P-T. The same way.
0: Eloped. Yeah, it looks weird. Um, it's similar to chlorazpromazine, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and it's used in the treatment of various psychosis, including schizophrenia, which that's probably why I don't know how to fucking say that. I've never heard of that drug. It treats disturbed behavior and delusions. Unfortunately, those medications didn't seem to alleviate Annalise's sufferings, and they ha- like may have instigated her dam- downward downward spiral into madness there you go got
1: it good job
0: either it wasn't the right mix of medications or I'm not sure but she just like kept getting worse by 1973 she was suffering heavily from depression and she was hallucinating really bad especially while she was praying she complained about hearing voices telling her she was damned and would rot in hell Her treatment in a psychiatric hospital didn't improve her health, and her depression just keeps getting worse and worse. Long-term treatment didn't help her either, like outpatient, after she left the psychiatric facility. And she was really frustrated at that point, because no medical intervention was really helping her, and those um, drugs that she was taking for five years didn't help her either. At this point, she started becoming intolerant of Christian sacred places and objects like crucifixes Mm -hmm. and like going into churches. She like couldn't do it. She vocalized that she was starting to smell fire and excrement and experienced upper body paralysis where she like couldn't move her arms. Um, Her growing dissatisfaction with. You know, everything around her and her depression worsening led to some self-destructive behavior. She went to the San Damiano. It was basically a mission trip with her church. Um, It was called a Christian pilgrimage. And her escort concluded that she was suffering from demonic possession because she was unable to walk past a crucifix and refused to drink the water of a Christian holy spring. In 1975, Annalise and her parents stopped seeking medical advice and gave over Annalise's fate to the Roman exorcism ritual. Annalise, the priest, and her parents truly believed that she was possessed. Annalise herself said that Judas, Nero, Hitler, Cain, Lucifer, and others were inside of her. Over the next ten months, Father Arnold Renez and Pastor Ernest Alt performed 60 60- Performed. (laughs) Performed. God damn it. (laughs) Performed.
1: Performed now.
0: Performed. 67 exorcisms for the tormented girl. It's important to note that every action taken during these rituals was condoned by Annalise, so she had, like, consented to everything. Yeah. And we're going to try and put an audio file in here with part of the exorcism that happened to her, one of the 67, because there was a lot that was recorded. <laughs> In the beginning of July 1975, Annalise began to claim she was being regularly visited by Mother Mary. She was walking with her fiancé, which she's like... Possessed, quote-unquote, and she has a fiancé still. So that just popped out at me and that I never read anything about it again.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's weird. Yeah,
0: that's what I thought. His name is Peter, I guess. Nice. (laughs) Uh, She dropped to her knees all of a sudden. They were walking together, and she claimed that she had spoken to the Virgin Mary. Two months later, during a quiet period, she again was... Wow, speak. Visited. By the Virgin Mary, who asked her to do penance for lost souls. So she was bullshit. like, you have to take on all this bullshit for everybody else. Fucked. Bullshit. Shortly thereafter...
1: <laughs> you girl.
0: I mean, goddamn. damn.
1: that's a lot of shit.
0: Yeah. And she was just hallucinating every day, seeing all of this all shit. Those drugs. Maybe? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um... Annalise basically agreed though, she was like, Alright, I'll like take everybody's shit and die for it. Okay. Question mark? Yeah. Um the possession intensified so her mental state just declined even more. And those who view her as a saintly figure, like, at these moments, is evidence of her being a victim. Like, of a soul chosen by God for others' redemption. So, kind of like Jesus, where he died on the cross for other people's sins. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, the exorcisms began on September 24th, 1975. And at one point managed to rid Annalise of all but one demon, only to have them all return the next day. So they were like, almost done! And then they came back, and like, everybody was back again. Yeah. <laughs> Psych. <laughs>
1: Never mind, we just went for beer.
0: <laughs> We're back.
1: Sorry.
0: <sighs> On the whole, Annalise believed that she had been possessed by more than six demons. And like I said, like Lucifer himself, she said, possessed her. And all these people from the Bible, even a disgraced priest. When questioned about the reason for the possession, the demons replied that she'd been cursed for her mother's infidelity. No. <laughs> So back when her mom had a baby, like really, really during this time, the family experienced paranormal activity in the home, um, swarms of flies appeared in the house. The lights would flicker on and off. Telephone calls would come from people who later claimed that they never called, which I was like, Whoa, that's creepy as fuck. Sometimes the seriously ill Annalise would perform hundreds of genufications, which I read that, and I was like, I have no fucking idea what that means. Um, Googled it. It's basically when you, like, kneel at an altar. So, like, the act of that over and over again. So she would, like, kneel over and over again. Um, Her parents held her up when she got too weak to do those kneelings herself. And it's... Not hard to imagine this being necessary because Annalie stopped eating altogether for some time before before she eventually passed away. Her knee ligaments actually ruptured after hundreds of gentrifications, and her body was super weak. So her ligaments were just like gone in her knees. They were just like holding her up and down as she did it. And she was just at home, not at a hospital, just at home with a priest dying. And not eating. Yeah. In addition, with the return of her convulsions around Easter of that year, Annalise started refusing food and drink to protect herself against Satan's influence. Despite the harm to herself, Annalise was focused on dying to atone for the sins of others. So, her reason for that extended fasting and not accepting food was because she said the less that she ate, the less control that evil had over her.
1: <laughs> so she was pretty much trying to kill her body so the demons didn't have anything to use to yeah possess, pretty much, be useless body at that point?
0: Pretty much. That was kind of her thought process. Um, and then at this point, she... I'll, I'll post pictures of her when I say that the episode is up but she was just like a shell
1: gotcha like skin and bones
0: dude she was so fucked up at this point and they were saying that she spoke several different languages which that clip that i put in there they're speaking to her in german but she's like turning around and speaking a bunch of different languages back fluently
1: so that did happen all that shit probably
0: yeah i'm like gotcha She didn't know Latin, like, how the fuck, you know what I mean? She grew up in a small town, she doesn't know those languages. Um, So she was speaking, you know, different languages back to them during all those exorcisms. It's certain that medicine, psychiatrically, was not saving Annalise from whatever tormented her, because she was still taking that stuff. But there's no questioning that things got worse for her when she gave herself over to exorcism and didn't have, like, a counselor or a psychiatrist that was, you know, looking after her. This is where it gets really, like, gross and rough. (laughs) Um, She allegedly urinated and defecated on the floor, like, all the time. It was constant. And she would lick it up during the process in front of them. She ate dead flies, spiders, and coal, and even bit off the head of a dead bird, in one instance. And she began growl- growling at religious icons frequently, so like if the priest had a cross or whatever, she would like growl at it. Anything from crucifixes to holy water. During one occasion, she sat under her kitchen table, and she barked like a dog for two days straight, did not stop. Just barked like a <laughs> dog the whole time. Her family was afraid of her, obviously. I would be afraid of her. But a medical professional probably would have not left her under a table for two days or let her starve to death, which is eventually what happened. Um, During her final exorcism, Annalise's parents had to carry her through through the motions as she only weighed 68 pounds. And she was too weak to move her body at all. Like, she couldn't even move. She died on July 1st, which it's like, what, the 6th right now? Yeah. So it's close to the anniversary. And she died of severe dehydration and mal- malnutrition, along with a high fever and pneumonia, so her body just, like, shut down completely. Her final words t- uh, to the person performing the exorcist was, Beg for absolution. And her last words to her mother was, Mother, I'm afraid, which I thought was so sad. She was so terrified. She died of dehydration and malnutrition on July 1st, like I said, and it was in 1976. She was only 23 years old. Um, Her father and the two exorcists were eventually charged with neglect and homicide During the trial, evidence of the possession worked both for and against the defense, so they were trying to say, like, the reason she died was for the possession, not neglect on their part. Mm -hmm. 42 of the exorcisms were audio recorded, and there were various pictures of a seriously ill-looking, bruised, and sore-covered Annalise. Her teeth are, like, broken and bleeding because she was just clashing them together over and over. Annalise was horrifying in the tapes, and it worked, you know, for the defense, saying that she was possessed, but it certainly is not conclusive. If nothing else, the tapes made it clear that Annalise was seriously ill and no one was making her eat, which is the biggest thing. It is certain that possessed or not, Annalise should have been cared for better than she was, which I completely agree with. My personal opinion is she like she should have been taken to a mental health facility immediately right when that started happening and she was refusing to eat i don't understand the level of neglect it takes two parents to like do that to their kid and not take them to go get help super sad
1: yeah i wouldn't it would have been immediately
0: oh yeah i mean no matter what your religious beliefs are at that point like they're not eating you have i don't know There's no way to prove or disprove supernatural occurrences in court, such as exorcisms, obviously, so it makes it difficult to know what really happened. Um, It is possible to prove that there is some evidence that epileptics are at an increased risk for displaying symptoms of schizophrenia, and it has been positioned that Annalise suffered from dissociative personality disorder and schizophrenia. That, combined with her religious background, could easily account for the events leading to her death, but no one can be certain, of course. But, again, there were people, you know, looking after her, so I can understand her spiraling out of control, but she should have had people taking better care of her.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: After an investigation, the the state prosecutor maintained that Annalisa's death could have been prevented even just a week before she died. The parents and priests were harshly criticized for their role in Annalise's death. In particular, several medical specialists noted that if the young woman had been force-fed even, like I said, a week before her death, she would have lived through the experience, which it was 67 exorcisms and it was twice a day, so it was like over a month of this happening. So if they would have caught it a week beforehand, she would have been fine for the most part. Annalise herself did play an important part in her own fate. Um, The four defendants could not be so harshly judged. In particular, during the events of the trial, Annalise's sister would point out that she had not wanted to eat, much less be force-fed, because she had been intent on dying for other sins. So that was her M.O. She was like, nope, I'm gonna die for everybody else for whatever reason.
1: Okay, (laughs) sounds good. (laughs)
0: The defense argued that all four defendants were protected by the German constitution as exorcism should count as a protected religious practice. Furthermore, they played tapes of Annalise's demons arguing with one another in her own body to prove that she had been possessed. Yet experts pointed out that the priests may have accidentally introduced and reinforced the types of psychotic behavior required to be possessed, enabling the young woman's suffering So, they kind of, like, fed into the fact that this was happening and made it worse. In the end, all four were found guilty of neglectful homicide and sentenced to six months in prison, which... Okay, that's something, but, like, six months?
1: Yeah, three years.
0: Yeah, suspended with three years' probation, but the prison time was later waived for all of them. Jesus. The parents paid the cost of the three-week trial, and the priests only paid, like... Minor fines and nobody went to jail. So I don't feel like that was justice, but I know the parents were probably destroyed, but still. The bishop said that he was not aware of Annalise's alarming health conditions, which if you look at those photos, you would be aware. And he approved of the exorcism and did not testify. The accused was found guilty of manslaughter, was the charge that they were given, um, resulting from negligence. And, like I said, their prison sentence was just suspended. And they lost their daughter and then just basically got away with the fact that they didn't try and help her. Fucked up. Yeah. It was pretty fucked up. That's Annalise McCall. That's
1: all you got?
0: That's all I got. I told you mine was going to be pretty short this time.
1: That's true. So, I was going to do a pretty good one, but I decided just to do... One of the first cases, like she did, that actually American court systems, they tried and tried to accept it, but it never really happened. But this was one of the first cases where they said that, you know, I committed the crime because I was possessed by demons type deal.
0: I almost did this case, and I'm always afraid we're going to do the same one. And part of the reason I wanted to do it is because what his job was, because it tied into us. So I'm excited. This case is crazy.
1: Well... I don't talk about his job, so... I'll bring it up. (laughs) Sounds good. Anyways, my case about Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. And, uh, like I said, he was one of the first to use the defense of, uh, you know, demonic possession. And it started in 1981 with the stabbing of a 40-year-old Alan Bono of Brookfield. It to police. I guess it just looked like a routine argument gone wrong. Police officials even called it like an open and shut case. Then came Arnie's defense: the devil made him do it, <laughs> is what they were claiming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, he actually had help from two famed paranormal investigators. And Johnson's defense attorney sought to prove that the 19 year old was innocent because he was possessed at the time of killing. He was 19? Yeah. And he killed oh the 40 year old.
0: Oh, yeah. He just flipped his shit.
1: Yeah. And I guess uh, Bono was stabbed several times in the chest and stomach on the lawn of Brookfield Kennels, which is where he was a manager. And that was February 16th, 19.
0: Well, really quick, wait. One thing that was kind of important that happened was Arnie had called in sick for his job, and he was a forester, which Wade and I are both utility foresters, so that
1: was why I was (laughs) like, oh, what? That makes sense.
0: And he went with his girlfriend to the kennel, which is where she worked at, and then the managers of the kennel took them into town and bought them lunch, and it was at a bar, and some reports say Arnie and Bono got super drunk. Some reports say it was just Bono, but either way, Bono was belligerent, and grabbed one of the girls, and Arnie freaked out, and then, like, stabbed Bono multiple times, so.
1: Well, from what my report said was they had an argument when they're at a bar, and then when they got back to the kennel, everybody kind of left, and then that's when Arnie went back, and it was a dispute over Arnie's girlfriend, the one that worked at the kennel. Stabby stab, stab, stab. Yeah, stabbed him. And then he was actually caught a later, or an hour later, mm-hmm. after uh, that everybody or whoever called in, uh, Bono's, you know, stabbing. Scabbing. Yeah, <laughs> that he was bleeding Stab-stab. on the fucking <laughs> yeah in the field that he was of. Anyways, uh, reports were or reports said or just, god damn it, reports described <laughs> Arnie as a small ca- Caucasian blonde male. Uh, and that the two had an argument over Arnie's girlfriend about the stabbing, or before the stabbing. We yeah. just established that, actually. <laughs> so, uh, days after the stabbing paranormal, paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren, Yeah! Arnie's mother and his girlfriend all claimed that he had been possessed at the time of the stabbings. Warren, The Warrens told police that... Uh, Since July of 1980, Arnie had participated in at least three exorcisms involving his girlfriend's 11-year-old brother, David, who had been inhabited by 43 demons.
0: That's a lot of demons. So,
1: I guess during one of the rites, the Warrens told police that Arnie leaped up and cried to the demons, Come into me, I'll fight you, come into me. From that right. day on, he was possessed, is what they're saying. Obviously, so, police, I guess, ordinarily wouldn't have or would have discarded these unusual claims, but the Bridgeport dioceries involve uh, involvement changed things for some reason. <laughs> so Brookfield priests called the uh, called in the diocese after they heard the eleven-year-old story that. He had recently entered a new new town home, which I guess is like a name reading town to Brooksfield. Okay. Uh, he sat on a waterbed. Whoop whoop! I had a <laughs> waterbed forever. She it hurt it. my
0: back so bad. Oh <laughs>
1: and, my god! And I guess right when he sat down, he was suddenly confronted by an elder elderly man with hooves, whose image uh, was soon joined by a man in a grotesque costume. That's so scary. The Warrens. Is, but that was a statement by the Warrens to the police. Okay. So before Arnie was indicted, indicted, indicted. Thank you. <laughs> uh, on March 19, 1981, uh, Waterbury lawyer Martin J. Minilla offered to take on his case for free,
0: pro bono. Uh, yeah. Even though he stabbed a guy named Bono. So
1: Molina's Malina, or yeah, Molina's plan uh, was to pursue the demon possession. And the defense, and his defense plan was widely publicized. I would assume. So, uh, mm-hmm. Melina was trying to, uh, subpoena the priests involved in the exorcism and hoped they would break tradition and speak about the rites, like what happened mm-hmm. during it.
0: Oh yeah, they're not supposed to say jack shit. I
1: don't think so, no, no. it's a confidentiality yeah. thing. Uh...
0: Through police investigation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what she said. The Warrens claimed uh, they maintained that Bona was stabbed after a fight over. Uh, wow.
0: Deborah Glatzel. See, that's the friend. I told you it was the friend of
1: the girlfriend. No, that's that was Arnie's 26 year old girlfriend, though, is what was reported.
0: Oh, you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: You're right. And then in April. Uh, Johnson's lawyer gained permission to examine the clothing and tissue remains of Bono, who had been cremated. They said the absence of blood, rips, or wounds would prove that demons were involved. What? He was cremated, so that made no sense, but that's what, like, four uh, sites were saying when I was okay, looking at it. So strange. that's why he was trying to use that as like leverage of
0: it's not there, see?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> what now?
1: So as the case uh, proceeded towards trial, the Warrens and Lita drew criticism from their peers, who said they were involved in the case just for personal gain. So they are pretty much trying to hype it up and be like, yeah, 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 because you know, they are trying to make a name for themselves. Trying to get
0: like book offers or movie yeah, offers or whatever. Yeah, which they did. I'm sure they did.
1: Yeah. Uh, local attorneys said that Molina was representing Johnson to rank in the publicity and legal community, and he wasn't really the possession defense. He wasn't really taking it serious. He was
0: like, "If I can sell a jury on this shit, I'm the best fucking yeah, lawyer in the land."
1: Pretty much. So both Warren and Molina, they both stood by their involvement in the case. They pretty much said that they're there. To prove that he was possessed and that he wasn't a murderer. So, uh, jury selection started in late October. Reporters and believers in the supernatural flocked to the Danbury Courthouse for what was dubbed the Demon Murder Trial.
0: Yeah. The local
1: Hilton Hotel was completely booked for nights, which I kept trying to research more on this thing, but all it said was how... The demon trial was going on. All the hotels were fucking booked and how it was like a big hype. It was like for... an event. It was, but it yeah. Damn, so it was son. booked for nights and people worried that the courtroom, which would only hold 70 people, would be packed shoulder to shoulder and it wouldn't be big enough.
0: It probably wasn't.
1: Yeah. So uh, many had assumed that Molina would use possession as type of insanity defense, but he said... He would set out to prove Johnson was actually possessed. So he wasn't going for insanity or anything like that. He, he was,
0: was possessed by a demon.
1: Yeah. And yeah. that he was going crim- to incriminate his client by saying, you know, yeah, he killed him. He did. But he was possessed oh when he did God. it. Oh, my God. Anyways, Melina uh, said publicly that he was going to pr- prove that demons exist. His plan was to begin, into, or begin investing Or evidence tapes of the exorcism, the rites, and Johnson's challenge of uh, question or and question priests on their process and shit like that. Yeah, right and exorcism, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like he could kind of prove. What What
0: did you see? What did you? Yeah, exactly.
1: But just as quickly as the demon defense took off, it was shot down (laughs) by Superior (laughs) Court Judge Robert J. uh, Callahan, who later became Chief Justice of State Superior Court, and the prosecutor Walter D. Flanagan, and police stuck with the simple explanation that Bono and... You know, Arnie. Arnie, thank you. <laughs> we're in a fight over Johnson's girlfriend at the bar. they were drinking and all this other shit, and Johnson just went and stabbed and then Arnie. Bam! damn yeah. possession. Stab, stab, stab. stab <laughs> exactly. Stab. Lucifer took over. Yes. Uh, so suddenly the, the case lost luster. Uh, <laughs> many reporters who had come from around the country left on the third day of the trial, and prosecutors who had divulged little about their case against Johnson while Molina kept the focus on the devil said other types of demons played a role in this case. So people that weren't really like involved were making comments that this dude was really just trying to boost this fucking case up and make it something it wasn't
0: so he was like famous or
1: something exactly so the state agreed that johnson and bono had been drinking heavily (laughs) before (laughs) bono was killed the witness testified that she had served three bottles of red wine to the two men who were with the deborah glatzky or glatzel glatzel
0: they are lightweights okay i guess three bottles of wine
1: Anyways, I lost where I was fucking reading now.
0: <laughs> she had served three yeah, bottles I'm, of wine to them and said that's all the alcohol that I gave them.
1: True. And that was in the afternoon of the stabbing. That evening, the group was at the Department of Johnson and Deborah. Their neighbors heard loud noises outside and saw two people running towards Bono. An ambulance driver and police officer arrived to find Bono laying face down with four half-moon-shaped stab wounds below his ribcage.
0: Oh, so it was at the apartment complex, then. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, their, their apartment complex is right across the street from the kennel. Okay. So I'm sure they walked up the door and then got yeah I am. Yeah. Step, step. Step, 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 step. <laughs> Demonic <laughs> possession. Step, 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 step. step. <laughs> Anyways, the ambulance driver testified that uh, Deborah and her father were standing near the body Deborah, who appeared distraught, said reportedly, Oh, Daddy, he didn't mean to do it. You know how he gets when he's been drinking. Oh, God. So, pretty much from that. Incriminated him right there. The police officer testified that Deborah's brother, Carl, told him Arnie did it. Well, right there should have been. I mean, it's hearsay, I guess. Despite Callahan's banning of the uh, demon... Defense. Molina attempted to put four priests on the stand. Callahan wouldn't allow it. Ed Warren was re-luc- er, reluctant. No,
0: relegated.
1: Yeah, to begin <laughs> a character witness, or to be to be a character witness who took the stand for only a few minutes, saying Johnson was quite or quiet and considerate, and that it was very hard to believe he could be a murderer or he could murder anyone okay
0: how long before did you he know sh- him?
1: before oh, he okay. stepped down well and that and he was only up there for like literally two minutes i have a youtube section and it's literally like two and 15 two minutes and 15 seconds or something like that and most of it is the judge talking and the judge is pretty much decrediting ed warren in it oh
0: jeez, okay
1: anyways right when he stepped down or right as he is stepping down is when he said that you know arnie was a quiet individual and considerate and he you know it's can't believe that he'd be a murderer type deal
0: okay he is and he did and it happened
1: exactly (laughs) melina tried to prove that his client had acted in self-defense johnson testified on his own behalf Saying Bono was drunk and provoked the argument, he said he didn't remain or remember what happened after Bono ran after him with a five-inch knife Arnie used for his job as a tree surgeon.
0: Convenient. Oh, he was so, a tree surgeon. Yeah. Holy shit.
1: Well, it was. He was like not a utility forester, but he was a f- like forester too with tree surgeon, and he was an arborist and shit. Yeah. But. It doesn't. It also didn't say anything about where Bono got the knife from, because I believe Arnie had that knife on him.
0: He might have, yeah, which wouldn't make sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. So again, the state never established a motive, but prosecutors said Johnson did what he wanted to uh, when he stabbed Bono because, in according, and according to closing arguments the number of uh wounds and their depth showed johnson intended to kill meaning you know like it wasn't something yeah. that
0: he wasn't just trying to get yeah, him off of them
1: exactly he was he was going after the motherfucker e. after uh deliberating for 17 hours over the course of 3 days the jury convicted johnson of manslaughter not murder and mm-hmm. that was on uh November 24th 1981
0: on the grounds of demonic possession?
1: No. They it it influenced them from Damn, changing it to crazy. from murder to manslaughter. That's crazy. Yeah. So the jury the jury's conclusion meant they didn't think Johnson acted with intent to kill Bono only to or intent to kill Bono only to injure him. Harris wrote one of the jury's last requests for a transcript of testimony was that the was that of a policeman who had said Johnson told him, I think I hurt somebody. Oh.
0: So he might have he, been out of his mind.
1: Yeah, I think he was just drunk. Oh, yeah. How
0: can you be so drunk that you stab someone to
1: death, though? I don't know. Uh, so Melina uh Vowed to appeal on the grounds that he was barred from using the demon defense, but he never did. So he was going to appeal that. You know they're pretty much they threw away his
0: whole defense. Ex-
1: that and that. Yeah, you know, they disbarred him too. Yeah. Because he put those priests up there when after the judge said that. You know that's not a.
0: Oh, valid so he defense. like went rogue lawyer
1: some something like that. Anyways, Johnson received the maximum sentence of 10 to 20 years on December 18th, 1981. He was released on good behavior serving uh. just 4 years at the <gasps> Connecticut Correctional Institute in Somer, Why? Uh, Somers. Why? So listen to this background on Arnie. He actually married Deborah on uh, January 3rd, 1985. Uh. A year before he was relieved, or released from prison.
0: What? The friend? Yeah. Why?
1: I fucking don't know. The couple lived in Sherman for quite a while, and they had two sons, wow. and they have two grandsons. Deborah Johnson is a certified nurse, nurse's assistant, and, and uh, Arnie is now a construction superintendent. Oh, wow. Deborah Johnson said that she is still interested in the supernatural and contributes to an online radio show. Ugh. And it's Demon. Uh, yeah, Demon Lod. What the fuck? Demon Lodgely?
0: Demonology.
1: DemonologyToday.com. <laughs> wow. She remains friends with uh, the Warrens, pretty much. Damn. And a quote from her says that Arnie's mistake all those years ago as she, or was that he challenged the beast that had possessed her brother.
0: Oh, yeah, because they were doing an exorcism on the brother and, and the demon, like, jumped out, out of him into Arnie. Yeah. Oh, shit.
1: She said that you never take that step. Uh, You never challenged the devil. Arnie started showing the same signs her brother did. Uh, under the possession so immediately so that's my story goodbye and have a good night
0: wait real quick before we say goodbye i
1: know you gotta do all the social media bullshit and then goodbye
0: just listen to us on spotify itunes and google but most importantly if you can follow us or subscribe that really fucking helps man and tell your friends talk about it if you like it say hey listen to this podcast that would really help us too
1: yeah, and if I suck, just tell me what I'm doing bad, and I'll work on it. So then you have to continue to listen <laughs> so you can tell me what I'm doing better. It's a
0: relationship. Works. It's a give and take. You talk to us. We listen. We adjust.
1: Exactly.
0: Speaking of which.
1: I have two ears and one mouth. I listen better than I talk.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Boom. Listen
0: and send and speak and say whatever you want to boozebsandtruecrimeatgmail.com. Our me- email is B S. And true crime at gmail.com. So if you have any personal stories, any recommendations, any words of advice, something you like, something you didn't like, let us know. We have an Instagram and Facebook, booze, bullshit, and true crime. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.
1: So bye.